0: What are some unique challenges that they may be wanting to think about when they're bringing on their kids on as owners or even just part owners, things like that?
1: There are key issues that all families are thinking about. And one of the challenges is that we struggle to have some of those important conversations. You know, they, you always say, like, at the holiday table, don't talk about religion, politics, those kinds of money, those kinds of things. Because there's people at the Thanksgiving table that aren't in the family business, typically. Mm-hmm. And it's it
2: really gets, that's so funny, it gets out of the list. Don't talk about religion, politics, or the family business at right.
3: Thanksgiving. <laughs> hey, Metalworking Nation, Jason Zenger here. Do you know I operate on NetSuite, the ERP when you need one source of truth for all of your data, your CRM, your accounting, your operations, everything. If this is you, you should know these three numbers: 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25 NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind, so you get customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage your risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash chips. That's netsuite.com slash chips to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash chips. Do it now. Welcome to Making Sparks, the podcast where we ignite your passion for metal fabrication and fuel your business success. Join industry leaders and dive deep into the world of metalworking. From business insights to tips of the trade, Making Sparks is your forge of knowledge. During each episode, discover success stories, innovative solutions, and expert interviews that light the path to business growth. Subscribe today and grow and improve your company and let's make sparks fly together.
0: Welcome back to the Making Sparks podcast. Today we have a really special episode. Most of our. Who are you? Oh, I'm Casey. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome back to the Making Sparks podcast. I'm Casey Velker. I'm sitting here with my co host, Matthew Nix. And today we got a special episode where we're going to talk a little bit about family businesses. And, you know, a lot of our listeners are fabrication and machine shop businesses that are family businesses. So I'm going to let Matthew introduce our guest today and he's going to kind of kick off the conversation.
2: Yeah, thanks, Casey. Yeah, of course, we're a family business and a uh, fifth generation family business. And it's, it's, uh, we are in an industry that's predominantly privately held. And I think within the privately held businesses, a large percentage of them are family businesses. It's one of the really cool things about our industry. A lot, a lot of multi-generational family businesses. And uh, it's just a really, it's it's a fabric of our economy. Uh, so really excited to have Tad Dickel on the show with us today. I've known Tad for several years. He's actually uh, helped our business and our family in, in uh, various capacities. And so uh, Tad is an expert on family business. So we're going to talk to him about that today.
1: All right. Well, I'm glad to be on the show with you. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Tad, tell us a little bit about what you do.
1: I work as a leadership and strategy consultant and uh, work with businesses, large and small, helping them in areas related to leadership and strategy. And one of those areas that I've taken special interest in is in family business advising. And so um, I often will be involved with families, helping them with areas related to governance, related to succession planning, and and really talking about the future of the business.
2: What are some, uh, well, let let, let me back up before I ask that, Tad. So in order to help family businesses, is, is there any kind of a formal training that you go through to get involved in something like that?
1: There are uh, there are different training programs. I went through a program through FFI and uh, earned a certificate in family business advising. And the reason I went through that program was several years ago, I got involved with a, an effort locally in the Evansville area, and um, there was a family business alliance that was being created by the local chamber of commerce, and... Um, I was asked to help with some planning with that group, and really, I think that's how I met you. I think that was the first time we met. Yeah, and uh, uh, just started realizing kind of the special nature of family businesses, and in this community, we're we're blessed with a lot of great families that are are owning businesses, and I realized there's an opportunity to help them think about the future and really work more cohesively as a family and as as a business in their in their efforts.
2: What are some of the reasons why a family should should consider getting involved with somebody like you?
1: I think the main reason is to really consider the the special aspect of family business. If you consider like the opportunity, it's it's pretty neat to think about a family coming together and not only having that relationship as a family, but like coming together and uh, setting goals and achieving them as a, fam- as, a as a business then. Um, and so I, I find that most families need some help in terms of having somebody facilitate some of those difficult conversations about um, about the family dynamics, um, about really setting as a family what what our values are, what's important to us, to think about the next generation leadership. So, um, you know, in a, in a mom and pop type business, you often have both parents thinking about who in the next generation is going to be able to run this business. Who do I want to own the business? Who do I, I want to manage business, the business? Who, uh, what qualities do I expect in those people? How do I yeah. develop them? And, It can be helpful to bring in somebody from the outside to be objective and have some of those conversations. And I think it's particularly important to have those conversations early on and really be proactive about the future of the business. Because one of the great things about family businesses is that we can look at the business from a long term perspective. We're not concerned about just hey, what's our, what are, what's our quarterly earnings report? How profitable were we this quarter, this month, this year? But really saying, how are we going to sustain this and be a great family business for generations?
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the really key aspects to family business is that longevity. And I think family businesses do so much for our social fabric and, and our local economies and things. And so, Um, You know, being able to work with them, I I can uh, uh, appreciate that would be very rewarding to do that.
1: It really is, especially when you see a family plan effectively for the future and to have a dynamic where, um, you know, I I was working with a client a couple of weeks ago. We were at an out of town retreat and we had a meeting with some of the family and I had dinner with them the night before the meeting. And it was nice of them to include me because I was the only, you know, non-family member, non-owner. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just looked around the table, and they genuinely loved and enjoyed being around each other. Yeah. And they genuinely loved running the business together. And then the next day, we we really it dove into more of the meat of of the future of the business and thinking about what. What's ownership going to look like when when the parents are no longer here and what's their vision for the future of the business? So it's really inspiring work. And when when families do the governance piece, well, it's just it's so rewarding to see um, those those relationships flourish and the business flourish.
0: Let me ask you um, for like a fabrication company or even like really any family business that Maybe it was just like the dad owning it for maybe they're a first generation business and they're starting to bring on the second generation and things like that. What are some unique challenges that um, they may be wanting to think about when they bring on? Uh, Are are there like ones that have been consistent that you've seen that are like challenges that a a dad or a mom when they're bringing on their kids on uh, as owners or even just part owners, things like that?
1: Absolutely. There are there are key issues that all families are thinking about. And one of the challenges is that they struggle, we struggle to have some of those important conversations. You know, they. you always say like at the holiday table, don't talk about... Religion, politics, those kinds of money, those kinds of things. Family business gets added to that too.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's and like because
1: right. there's people
2: at the Thanksgiving table that aren't in the family business typically, mm-hmm. and it's it really gets. That's so funny. It gets added to the list. Don't talk about religion, politics, or the family business at right. Thanksgiving.
1: Right, and then one thing that's even harder is to think about like what role future generations are going to have in the business, because sometimes you might have multiple children or uh, potential successors to to own or run the business. And so those are really difficult conversations. Uh, I, I think if businesses can, if families can start really early and say, you know, this is our vision for the future. This is what we think we need in a leader this is how we're going to make the decision in terms of leadership, then it sets up some expectations within the business. And one of the biggest challenges in any relationship, I mean, this is, this goes for families, friends, business, is when there's a big gap between expectations and what actually happens. And so, like in our, in our um, personal relationships, like with a spouse, like when somebody has an expectation and that's unmet, the bigger the gap is, the harder it is on that relationship. And so I, I like to think about the family business as, you know, in, in doing this type of work is if we can set the expectation and what actually happens is as close as possible to the expectation of everybody. So that's, that's the owners, like the, maybe the, current generation owning and leading the business, that's the next generation, that's people in the business. When we can have that, uh, you know, minimal gap in terms of uh, unmet expectations, then we're going to have much more, uh, uh, much stronger relationships. We're going to have much uh, more cohesive family unit. We're going to have a better plan for the future of the business. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I think that a lot of what you're touching
1: on reminds me of the
2: Venn diagram that, that we've talked about. And we looked at it as a family, and uh, maybe Casey can pull that up for us. I think that would be really helpful. But before we dive into that, Casey, I just I realized there's something really important that we forgot to talk about. We didn't do my
0: dad joke. I was a little upset. I was going to plug it later, but okay.
2: Yeah, I think this is a good pause right here.
4: Hey, everyone. My name is Adam Schmidt with the Profab Alliance, and this is another uh, spark of knowledge. If your goals for an interview are to find out if somebody is a good welder, you can't do that from a conference room or an office. You know, they need to get out in the shop. But if your goal for an in-person interview is to find out, you know, are they going to be a cultural fit for our organization? Do they share the same values and beliefs? I highly suggest that you really sit down and come up with questions that really will drive answers back that you can judge upon whether they're going to be a good fit for your organization. Honestly, one of my favorite authors, his name's Patrick Lencioni, has just an expanded selection of great books. And the book that that I want to talk about today is called The Ideal Team Player, and it really changed the way that we think about our, our team members and how we interview. So. The ideal team player breaks it down from into three sections, humble, hungry and smart and in kind of a Venn diagram type. And if the person is the ideal team player, they, they fall right into the center of that. I guarantee it'll change the way you think about interviewing and bring value back to the hires and, and your organization as a whole.
2: I this look, is I a pretty it serious. It to- it's a pretty pretty heavy topic that we're talking about right here. So a little humor would probably be a good thing. So Casey uh, Casey always enlightens us every every episode with a good dad joke. So
0: I actually got five of them, but we're just gonna do one of them. All right, you ready? Yep. My neighbor. My bad. My neighbor. I'm already messing up, man. My neighbor gave me a new roof for free. He said it was on the house. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah. what we keep keeping it lighthearted. Why don't you share real quick? Uh, you said it, it, this is a family business. It's not really a joke, but it's, it kind of is. So, you said you got a call recently to, to work with a family. Uh, talk about that for just a second.
1: Right. I, I was telling Matthew before the, the podcast that I had received a call a while back by a, an advisor for this family business, and they said they needed some help because the, the siblings didn't get along. And, and the person warned me that when in the meeting that all the siblings would have their own attorney present and the corporate attorney would be present and I would be there. (laughs) And you know, in some ways I thought this is absolutely the reason I do this work to prevent that type of thing from happening. Yeah. I I almost feel like when you get to that situation, which is incredibly sad in in the end that it may be too late. And so what I like to think about is like a, you know, a little bit of prevention, a little bit of proactive planning and thinking can prevent those really sad situations that we've seen. I mean, you, you probably hear about, you know, families that, you know, they still run the business, but they can't stand each other, that they you know, there yep. are major divides. Um, and so I think that one of my hopes from this conversation today is that it, it, prompts people to have these discussions as a family, whether that includes an advisor or not. Yeah, right. Yeah,
2: that was one of the questions I wanted to get into. We're going to jump back to that of what they could do without the advisor. But uh, something else that you know, you just made me think of, yeah, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And you talked about, we were kind of laughing about that family. It is sad, but we were laughing about the fact that someone would call you and think that you could come in with five lawyers present and, and help fix this family situation. I was teasing Tad. I said, I don't know why you didn't just do it and just bill some hours. Everybody else, everybody else was billing hours. You might as well do it That too. was an expensive meeting. That's yeah. for sure. But, but Tad, he, uh, he took the high road and he, he didn't even take the meeting. So, but, uh, no, I was going to say we started, uh, working with Tad as a family business and, and we were all getting along fine, but I did it proactively thinking, you know, about many of the things he's mentioned here. But I'll never forget taking the bill, uh, your first invoice you sent me, taking it to our chief financial officer. And uh, it's only natural that the business should should pay for this. I mean, and it's like, and I say this to people a lot of times. I say, and you kind of touched on this earlier, family business is just another dimension of the company. So you have accounting you have to pay attention to. Then you have marketing you have to pay attention to and operations. And if you neglect any of those aspects of the business, pretty soon you're going to have a problem. If you're a family business, you also have to pay attention to that dynamic. It's just one more dimension. And I think for the small uh, you know, uh, cost or time associated with managing that aspect of it, the reward for everyone. I mean, uh, this includes all the employees. The reward it far outweighs the time and cost to manage that aspect of the business and i think all of our employees would, would say that as well they would much prefer to work for a family-owned uh, company
3: hey metalworking nation jason zenger here i want to tell you about palo alto networks they offer zero trust for ot without the ptsd Keeping operational technology secure and running smoothly is a tall order. It's enough to make the coolest operations director wake up with night sweats, and we don't want that. Zero Trust OT Security delivers comprehensive visibility and security for all OT assets, networks, and remote operations. The Palo Alto Network solution provides exceptional OT protection with over 1,100 app IDs for OT protocols, over 500 profiles for critical OT assets, and over 650 OT-specific threat signatures supported. It provides best-in-class security while simplifying OT security management. It sees and protects everything in the network, and it automates threat detection while implementing zero trust across all operations. We know right now that security at manufacturing companies is critical, and you need to take action on this. So sleep better with the most comprehensive platform to detect, manage, and secure OT assets. Learn how the Palo Alto Networks Zero Trust for OT Security Solution can achieve 351% ROI over five years. To learn more, find the link in the description or visit paloaltonetworks.com. That's paloaltonetworks.com.
2: So I remember taking the bill to our CFO and giving it to him and sort of apologizing for it. It wasn't like it was a lot of money, but, you know, kind of having to explain it. And he said, Matthew, are you kidding me? He said, this is the best insurance policy we could ever, ever have. He he gladly wanted to pay for that. And, you know, a little bit of money from an advisor a few times a year versus a big ass problem down the road. You know, that was the way he was thinking about it. And so I, you know, I just think that's something uh, that you know, I want to share with the audience as well. You've got to think about it. It really is an insurance policy for the future if you don't have, have any problems. And not to mention, we're only talking about uh, mitigating problems, but really that's just one part of it. It's all the planning for the future and strategy and cohesiveness and uh, a lot of things that are even not necessarily within the business. It's how do we take this business, this asset that we've built, uh, that hopefully is, is going to generate some wealth for our family. And then how do we then take that and uh, uh, direct that into things that we are passionate about as a family together? You know, and you, you're able to help families do that so that everybody has different opinions about what do we do? How do we how do we steward this legacy? How do we do good with it? Most family businesses want to make their corner of the world better. So how do we all work together to do that? And So there's a lot of aspects to it.
1: And 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 let's be honest. We know in a family business, probably every employee knows in a family business when certain members of the family don't get along. Yeah, and they feel that tension and that conflict in the in the business, and that's not healthy. We we want there will always be conflict. There will always be issues that come up, but like how we deal with them. Is going to uh, you know show how cohesive we are as a company, and you're absolutely right. I think there are there are some really neat ways that families can come together and think about their legacy and think about what would a cause be that that's important to us. Like, what do we value that we want to support as a family and come together? And sometimes the, making those collective decisions can bring that family unit even closer together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you touch on this? Uh, visual we have up on the screen right now because I think that really kind of helps bring some context and clarity to to our viewers and listeners as we move forward in the conversation.
1: One of the one of the first things that you can do as you think about family business is to put together even a diagram like this. Um, you know, in the medical field, they'll, they'll often put together what they call a genogram, which is um, like almost like a family tree that lists, for example. Um, family members with certain uh, medical conditions. And so you kind of start looking at what are the risk factors for different med- uh, medical conditions in the family. And some families do something like that, where they say, you know, here's kind of the family tree. Here's who's been involved in business. Who Here's who hasn't been involved with the business. And that can be kind of eye-opening to realize like how much that business has touched the family over the years. But I think one thing we can do and and we did this with your family is even to look at putting this Venn diagram together that has the different aspects of governance for a family business. So you have the family aspect, you have the ownership aspect, and then you have the business aspect and usually the business aspect is related to either the management or those people actually working in the business.
2: Which is a living, breathing thing of its own. We have to we have to think about it that mm-hmm. way. And that's right. a very important distinction.
1: Right. So it's continually changing. And so you'll see, though, that there are people that are family members that are just family members. They don't actually work in the business, nor are they owners. However, there's they're still part of your family.
2: And the business still touches them and they touch it.
1: Mm-hmm. And often they share the same name. Yeah, like family. for example,
2: our business, our brand is our last name. And mm-hmm. so I mean just even that as you build a bigger and bigger brand and you think about being part of the family and having that same last name and you know, you're you're connected to it. Imagine if they did something to tarnish our reputation or if the business did something to tarnish their reputation. So they are they're they're, they're always connected.
1: And then you have like family employees that on the top, like that; those are family members that also work in the business. Um, you have owners. You, sometimes the owners might be non-family. Um, you know, you might allow members of your executive team to be yeah. uh, owners in the business, which, which is which is how we operate. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, and then you have some of those areas, like you might have a family member that owns it, but doesn't actually work in the business. Uh, you might have non-family members who are, you know, work in the business, or they may be non-family who own and work in the business. So, uh, and then at the, at the center, you see those people that, that fit in all three circles. So they're family members, they're owners, they are employees and, um, just looking at this type of diagram and putting this together can be really helpful because I, I remember even working on this with you and you initially talking about here are the people that, you know, are part of the family and here's who works in the family. And then all of a sudden there were some that additional relationships that we didn't think of initially. Yep. yep. And, and so I think it was
2: really helpful to just. Thought my father-in-law was works part-time in the business, and we're like, oh, we got to put him in that bucket too. Right, and, you know, right. Just thinking about it that way. And,
1: and so I, I think one thing that you can then do with something like this is to think about how do we communicate with all of these groups? Because I, I think like a family member, uh, like a family owner or a family member can often be neglected. For example, if you have a a spouse yeah. who, who by being married to you is a part owner of the business, but they don't work in the business. Those people can often be left out of yeah. a lot of communication. And and so I think it's important to consider how are we communicating to, uh, to those people. You might have siblings that don't work in the family that don't own it, but they share. Your and money.
2: asking them how they would like to be, mm-hmm. to what extent do you want to be included? I have a great example about that. That's kind of funny as well. And it's about our family so I can make fun of it. But, uh, and Tad has helped us overcome this but so my wife works in the business so she's in the center bucket there my brother is owner works in the business is in the center my brother's wife would be considered an owner, but not working in the business, but part of the family. So she's in a different part of the circle. And so the the very area we're recording right now is a historic house in the town that we're in. And it was like a passion project. That we uh, It's one of the oldest homes in our town. And we've renovated it. We've got a Airbnb. And then Casey rents this place for his studio now. And uh, we bought this house. And uh, my brother forgot to tell his wife. It's it's a pretty prominent house in our town. Like, I mean, we've been blessed to grow our business. So in the grand scheme of things, I mean, we're buying multimillion dollar companies and stuff. Buying a house just sort of like didn't wasn't (laughs) didn't wasn't on the radar. But like uh, we joke and say we you know we don't know what the threshold of spousal approval was but we know the house crossed it <laughs> <laughs> he didn't consult her and he forgot to tell her she found out on facebook that that we bought a house and so uh, you know i'm laughing at ourselves i mean obviously we understand w- why that would be upsetting to her and that was not right of us i mean we you know i'm laughing at it now but uh so we it, it, and she she definitely had a right to know that i mean we need to share those important things with people that are very close to the business and so one of the things I do now is uh, well we do a newsletter and we distribute that to certain people but I also give a more detailed update to Lacey Adams wife uh, things that I share and that group of people will grow over time mm-hmm. too uh you know maybe there's some of our kids that aren't in the business but we still want to update them they're not going to get the same information that a board member gets but but you know we want to update them on some some key things
1: yeah and that's I think that's a great great uh, suggestion in terms of like thinking through and asking like, how do you want us to communicate with you? What what do you want to know? Because I remember a conversation with her too, where she said, you know, it'd be helpful to know if there are like major leadership changes in the business.
2: Yeah. Um, She said she didn't want to run into somebody out in public and realize we had hired their their husband or, or, right. or fired, right. uh, you know? And so, the, yeah, major leadership changes was something she wanted to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And and I think that was a really good conversation and, it and, and that really is being proactive in terms of communicating. So, so, you know, regardless of whether you work with a family business advisor, I think going through this type of exercise, thinking about, you know, who are the constituents in our family business and how do we communicate them to them currently? And then maybe how should we communicate them, and kind of have a plan around that? Yeah, I think
2: I think that's a great spot to to wrap up this episode. Yeah. I, I think in the next episode we, we could dive a little deeper into this. And I've got three or four specific things I'd like Tad to, to talk about. Well,
0: and I was going to say one of the things I would like him to talk about is like some tips on how to communicate that because you said that you know, how should you? Are there certain ways that are better, you know, and things like that? So yeah, so on the next episode. Uh, this is going to be a little two-parter with Tad and uh, we're going to have, we're going to let Tad talk a little bit more about this diagram and, you know, go into a little bit more detail on some tips that family businesses can take action. Um, Just little small things, you know, obviously we want you to contact someone like Tad, if you're going to, you know, implement this bigger, but, uh, so to wrap up this episode, we're going to tease what we're going to keep talking with Tad about, and that's going a little bit deeper into this diagram and asking some more specific questions to give actionable items, uh, for small family business owners like our listeners. But if you like this episode, share it with a friend, share it with another business owner, um, rate us and and make sure, you know, leave us a little review. Um, but anyway, check us back out on the next episode of making sparks.